Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. I'm your host, Crystal, and this week I am joined by my lovely sister-in-law, Ashley. Ashley, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody out there listening a little bit about yourself? Okay, hello everybody. So as Crystal said, I am her sister-in-law, so she married my brother, Tyler. Um, So I am currently in my senior year of college in PA, that's where I live, Um, and I'm studying criminal justice to hopefully become a cop in the near future and work with the uh, canines uh, in departments. Um, I did play softball for four years, all four years on varsity in high school, and then I played on a travel team, and, um, yeah, I just spend my summer days working, and when I'm not working, I love to enjoy the outdoors and go kayaking, go to the beach, I love the beach, and really do anything outside, anything sporty, that's me, I'm a sport person. And yeah. Yep, that's that's really you summed yourself up very well. I like that. <laughs> and she works out a lot too. She has a little Oh yes, uh, I do. Yeah, she has a little bit of a um obsession with that lately. Yes. I love it. <laughs> um and actually we're really bad. We should have recorded this while she was here for a week, but I kind of focused more on the fact that she was here rather than researching and then time got away from me and we're having to do it this way so when time just went by so fast we were so busy doing stuff so it did it felt like we like hit the ground running when literally when you got here and then we didn't stop I know and it feels like I was there for a couple days even though I was there for a week pretty much. I know. You were you were there for what? Exactly 8 days. You came in on a Tuesday mm-hmm. and left on a Tuesday. Yeah, it's still I think it was because we spent half of the week in Dallas um mm-hmm. doing top golf and going to the mall and spending too much money, <laughs> but it was so much fun and then we spent the second half of her time here here in Shreveport and I don't know. It was just, it went by crazy, crazy fast. It did go, yeah, it did, yeah. Oh, well. It was fun, and I loved having you here, so. I was so glad I could come down and spend time with y'all. Just next time, you're not flying spirit. Oh, my gosh, no. (laughs) I will never fly spirit ever again. That was ridiculous. I was losing my mind. I even told Tyler, I said, Tyler, if next time we have to, like, help her with her plane ticket, she's not flying spirit. Like, just absolutely not. Y'all don't fly spirit because they'll delay your flight by, like, four hours. They'll give you a layover when you wanted to fly straight through. The good you flight that ends the next day when you were originally supposed to get uh, a land into your destination and it was ridiculous and they charge you for drinks a water they charge you for water that's ridiculous that's (laughs) ridiculous that's how they like nickel and dime you into like the cheap Mm -hmm. seats it's like yeah you may have spent 50 ducks on your air like your airfare but we're gonna charge you 50 dollars for every single thing else that you need yeah i mean the flight attendants that i had personally were very nice like the one lady when i was flying back home um 
she was like, oh, do we have any birthdays on the plane? And she's like, do y'all mind if I sing you happy birthday? And she sung happy birthday. She was pretty good. Oh, that's so, actually really sweet. Yeah. So Spirit Airline Lady, if you're listening to this, <sighs> your voice was phenomenal. And she was just, like really super nice. She was like, when we had to put our phone in airplane mode, she was like, tell your mama, your brother, your lover, that you will text him later. And I was like, that's oh my so gosh. cute. <laughs> I know. She was so cute. And we landed. She was like. Y'all can call your mama, you can call your brother, and you can call your lover and tell them that you need to become picked up. And I was like, oh, my God. That is adorable. I, I know, love she's so, so much. cute. She was so cute. I love that. Well, we're about to get started. I do want to give everybody a reminder that I am recording at home and I live on a busy street. So if you hear cars going by, just enjoy the noise. Um, also want to give a reminder, we've had a couple people reach out recently about, um, purchasing shirts, so definitely if you would like one, just send us your info, we'll get you set up for that. Check out our social media pages, especially on Instagram, um, and Facebook, they're just our best ways to interact with us. Um, Twitch is huge. Like I said in previous podcasts, we're trying to get to our affiliate status. We didn't do an um, episode on Twitch this month, uh, but we should be doing one next month now that Bethany is back in town. She's not quite ready to record yet. She's got a lot of stuff on her plate right now, and this is not one of them. Like, this does not need to be one of them. But she should be back soon. So, uh, final, I do want to give a shout out to all of our haters. Because without them, life would not be great. Uh, A couple people told me that we must be doing something right if people hate us already. So, I think it's hilarious. Um, If you don't know what I'm talking about, head over to our Instagram or Facebook and you can see what I mean. It's really funny. It Um, is. I was there when it happened. (laughs) It's hilarious. Um, I'm not going to say anything more about it, but just so you know, we have a particular video on YouTube that has like well over, I think it's close to 2,000 views and this was a topic from like literally, oh it feels like six months ago. And for some reason, people are blowing it up and they are so sensitive about it. So, let's just say it brought out the COVID deniers. So, I'll leave that there. So, eh. anyway. So, since since the last podcast of every month, um, we always give you a local case. Um, That's what this one's going to be. I have lost track of if this is supposed to be a local Louisiana or Florida case. I really think it was Louisiana this month, and so we're going to go with it. Uh, I really, you know, we can't change now. It's too late. I already did the research on this one. But this one's actually not super local. I mean, it kind of is. But today's case happened in Natchitoches, Louisiana. Um, Not to be confused with Nacogdoches. Which, I don't think Ash has ever seen how it's spelled, but... I have not heard of either of the two, so I just hear Louisiana, so... So, well, Natchitoches is spelled, it's 
I don't know if you can like visualize words in your head when they're spelled. I, I I'm can't. kind of I'm kind of picturing a little bit okay. like it's, an act and then a dish. It's N A T C H I T O C H E S. That's not what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people think Natchitoches the way it's spelled is very similar to Nacogdoches, which is also spelled really crazy. Nacogdoches is in Texas. Um, but people that, like, have heard of each place sometimes get them confused. So Nacogdoches is, like, west of us. I mean, Nacogdoches is west of us. Nacogdoches is south of us. So we would basically pass really close to Nacogdoches if we were going to New Orleans, for example. Um, it's about an hour and a half away from Shreveport, so we would just get on that. You can, it's like a straight shot down the interstate, and you exit off, and there it is. Um, Natchitoches is home to a freaking huge Christmas festival. It is like, it usually starts like in November, and they do fireworks, like multiple, like once or twice a week. There's like an ice skating ring, or at least there was one year, but they are right on the river. And so they have like a floats, like river, like river floats, basically. I don't know what you call them. They're like boats that they're decorated and like big Christmas lights and all kinds of bright Christmassy stuff. And they basically float down the river and you can sit on the river and watch it all. Like, it's really cute. And there's like... There's, like, little fair games sometimes, and there's, like, hot chocolate, and they are known for their meat pies, which I don't know if you know what that is either. I have no idea what that is. (laughs) So, Natchitoches meat pies are, like, their thing. Oh, wait. Hold on. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, like, my computer, like, just freaked out. I don't know what happened. Okay. We're going to start part of that over, and then I can edit it in. <laughs> because that was really weird. Like my whole computer, like, spazzed out. Okay, oh, interesting. So, meat pies. I might just leave all of this in, because it was actually quite funny. <laughs> um, so Please do it. Please anyway, do it. the meat pies. Um, they are known, big known in Natchitoches. And basically, it's like dough so just imagine like a big circle of dough may not huge but like pretty big and like maybe like the circumference of a bowl and they are gonna like butter it and then they're gonna put like just like a traditional version is gonna be like ground beef but like seasoned really well with like all the spices and like like peppers and stuff like that like not hot peppers I mean you can put hot peppers but typically they don't and then you just put it in half of it and then you like fold it fold the dough over it and kind of make a sandwich with it and then you like crease the edges and then you fry it Ooh, (laughs) um they are actually really good (laughs) um and you can do all different kinds that they have but that's what they're known for so at the christmas festival you'll always have that And like I said, you'll have hot chocolate and all kinds of good little desserts and people are selling stuff. The, have you ever seen the movie Still Magnolias? I have not, no. Okay, so 
I don't like the movie that much, but Stephanie and my mom, they both love the movie like craziness. Um, it is actually based in, like it was filmed in Louisiana, and the house from the movie is still there, and you can stay in it as a bed and breakfast. I may or may not have convinced the people that own it to give us a tour because Stephanie wanted to go in so bad and I begged them and they let us, but it's another story for another day. That's so cool. But it is really cool. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous little house. The movie is decent good. It's about a girl who um, has epilepsy no she has diabetes i'm sorry she has diabetes and it's in the 80s and dolly pardon is in it um it's a really it's a good movie i'm acting like it's a horrible movie it is a pretty good movie (laughs) um it's sad um but it's a tiny town it's not that big it has about like eighteen thousand people i say it's tiny that's about how big carlisle is and that's where we're here mm-hmm. from but mm-hmm. um it's a decent sized town it has a college a pretty um, popular college called northwestern and it gives off like the cutest little french vibes um in their mm-hmm. downtown area that's mostly because it was originally a french colony uh, and so traces of that lifestyle and the architecture is visible everywhere you go. But it's super cute. So maybe next time you come down and we go to New Orleans, we'll stop by Natchitoches and so you can see it. So Yes, we have to go to New Orleans next time. Yes, we do. Maybe you should fly okay. into New Orleans next time. Oh, yeah. And then we have to go. Then I can experience what New Orleans is like and you know i get the full experience now that i am an adult adult like i'm not just 18 i'm physically literally an adult yes (laughs) and you'll see how how crazy different south louisiana is from north louisiana yeah i feel like i'm so used to seeing like shreveport and like how y'all live and like everything so it would be nice to kind of go somewhere not new or uh, not shreveport and kind of just see how they do their stuff yeah yeah um when tyler first came to visit me and he came to new orleans and i like i took him downtown and everything to the french quarter he was like this feels like it's a different country and i was like yeah yeah it, it really does like and then especially like anywhere that you go in new orleans it's just a totally different pace of life when you come to shreveport and you're just like oh this is just like yeah. any old normal town it's it's right. very strange but Anyway, so we're going to go further south now, about an hour south of Natchitoches. So this is about like two and a half hours south from here. There is an army installation base um, in a place called Fort Polk. And that's kind of actually the name of the base too, Fort Polk. It's even smaller than um, Natchitoches. And like, I mean, like a few thousand people, like four or five thousand people. It's known for being pretty darn remote, like out in the middle of nowhere. And it's about an hour from anywhere. Like if you want to go somewhere, you have to drive an hour. So this is literally the worst place in the world to be stationed. Maybe not the worst, but sounds bad to me. Um, The guy that we are talking about is a man named Tracy Lee. He was originally from Catskill, New York, 
and he had just been recently stationed in Fort Polk. He was young, like I said, only 24. He had previously been stationed in Korea. Uh, as far as I could find out, that was his uh, first like place to be stationed, and he was there for a while. He was not a like a bad person while he was in Korea. He just everyone said he seemed like a normal person. While he was there, his dad in 1983 in August of 1983, his dad actually passed away and he was granted leave to go back home and take care of his family and had got see his dad's funeral or go to it. He ended up taking about 6 weeks of leave. And it was during that time that he kind of just started to become a little distance from his family. He started experiencing some hair loss. And this was something that his family brought up. But he was very, uh, what's the word? Very, I don't know what the right word would be. Because he wasn't like upset about it but he but wasn't quite embarrassed he was just very defensive about the fact that he was losing his hair at a young age um this is important for later on in the story too i'm not just telling you about this is random balding for no reason <laughs> uh, um he ended up going back to korea after his leave was over and he got in trouble for what i could find out was the first time that he'd actually been in trouble with the army he basically had over ordered on his ration supplies that he could get he basically got too much without permission and that's why he got in trouble so something stupid but he still got in trouble Mm -hmm. for it Uh, when he eventually moved back to the united states and was restationed at fort polk in about 1984 he met this woman named lisa And he told his sister Charlotte that he was completely in love with Lisa, that he wanted to marry her, that he just knew that they were going to be together forever, that he found his person, and his family was happy for him. You know, when you find someone that, you know, when your brother's going through a hard time and you find somebody, or he finds somebody that he loves, that's, you know, that's huge. Well, it came as a huge surprise when Lisa ended up breaking up with Lee. And this left him completely heartbroken, devastated, and he ended up withdrawing from his family even more. His family noticed the huge change in his mental health and the way that he would talk about himself and the way he would talk to them. And they really had no choice but to just let him withdraw from the family and as he became as he started having less and less contact with them in late 1984 um, this emotional state eventually would lead to lee attempting to kill himself obviously he wasn't successful um but it would be the first time that he did try to kill himself as first time that i could find on the night of June 15, 1985, um, Tracy Lee drove from Fort Polk to Natchitoches to see Lisa. Um, at this point, they were broken up, but he was still so heartbroken about, about her that he ended up 
I don't want to say stalking her because that feels very wrong to say, but he was just like kept coming over to her house or finding her so that he could talk to her about getting back together. So kind of creepy, but I don't know. I'd be a little freaked out if someone showed up my house, but eh, whatever. Yeah, it's almost kind of like he was a little bit obsessed with like following her around and kind of like. And to me, it kind of made me sound like he was a little obsessed with the idea of her. Like, yeah. the idea of her brought him happiness and he wanted that. So, I don't know. At around 10 p.m., Lee made his way to the back door of the Blackston family house. This family consisted of Marjorie, who was the mom, her 18-year-old daughter, Chandra, and her 15-year-old son, Ron. Ron was actually a cancer survivor. He was two years into remission for a really bad bout of brain cancer. And so for the past two years, he had been cancer free. And I don't remember the exact amount of years you have to be in remission for them to be consider you cured from cancer. Um, But for the past two years, all of his stuff and scans had been negative. In an effort to get into the house as quietly as possible, he unscrewed the light bulb outside the back door with his bare hand. And he slipped into the house, and that was when Lee immediately grabbed Chandra and stuck a gun in her face. So, obviously, he escalated quickly. At this point, 15-year-old Ron attempted to come to his sister's rescue, as I imagine she was probably trying and yelling and screaming and trying to get away, or, you know, he definitely would have been loud enough that everyone in the house would have heard. Um, But Ron came into the kitchen to come to his sister's rescue, but he was immediately met with a gunshot to the face delivered by Lee. He, um, He shot him. Ron fell to the kitchen floor, and at this point, Marjorie had come into the kitchen as well. They saw Ron laying on the floor, and he was trying, he was still alive at this point, and he was trying to get up and, I guess, you know, fight back, get out, you know, whatever was going on in his mind. I'm not sure, but I can only imagine. Lee ended up forcing Marjorie and Chandra into a nearby bedroom. And the entire time that he was moving them in there, they were pleading with Lee to allow one of them to go help Braun as he was still alive and struggling to move. Completely void of any compassion, Lee walked back into the kitchen as Ron was trying to sit up and get back up and I guess go get help. And he shot Ron again in the back of the head, killing him. So, I, I I don't understand why he felt the need to finish him off like yeah, that. I mean, he already shot him in the face. Why did he need to go back again and shoot him in the head? I guess like, he was... That, did, that doesn't make sense. I guess he was concerned that he was going to be alive to attack him. But I'm like, the guy's already shot in the face. There's only so much yeah. that he can do. He's a 15-year-old I mean, kid. <laughs> If I get shot in the head, like, and especially in the face, like, there's probably no doubt that I'm getting up and, like, gonna fight this guy. Like, yeah. I'm bleeding from the face. Like, that. 
I don't know. Like, I... Uh, it just breaks my heart. Because, like, what, at the same time, how do you just mindlessly shoot a 15-year-old kid? Right. Just, he's a 15-year-old kid. You just... I don't know. <sighs> anyway, um, I have in my notes that I couldn't imagine the terror and just overall grief that Marjorie and Chandra felt that night. I know that they probably went from complete terror and scared for their lives to when they found out that or realized that he was dead, that their brother and their son was dead. I'm pretty sure that they didn't even have time to appropriate appropriately react to the fact that he's gone because they're trying to fight for their lives at this point. So, I don't know. The whole thing is very... I, I'd always try to put myself into the, the victim's shoes when I record these to see what it would feel like. And I know I'm never going to be able to know and like really and truly empathize. But just me trying feels heavy. So I can't even imagine what the actual emotions feel like. Anyway, when Lee returned to the bedroom after he shot Ron again, he started to beat and rape each of them. So, he, and he actually raped both Marjorie and Chandra twice. After he raped them each, he forced Chandra to perform oral sex on him. And then, in the most disgusting disgusting thing that I've ever heard was he took his Old Spice cologne, which I don't understand why he had it on him in the first place, but he took his Old Spice cologne and sprayed it on both of his victims. And at first I was very confused about it, but like, what do you think the reason would be that he would do this? To be honest, I'm sitting here and you said that and my face just kind of was like a deer in a headlight. I was like, oh, why would someone need to spray their cologne on? Their, it, it's weird, right? Just, yeah. Somebody they just assaulted and raped. Like, why did why, why did he need to be like, I, I don't know. So I'm I'm a little confused right now. So I was really confused, too, until I started thinking about it. And to me, this means that he wanted to make sure that they remembered him and that they that they remembered these events. So that, like, whenever they smelled that smell, so, like, if they were right. walking down the street somewhere and they just smelled someone's smell like that, that they, they would immediately him. remember and think about right. him. All right. That, which, yeah, that makes sense now. Which is sick. But that's the only reason in my head that I could come up with that would be the reason that he would do that. Yeah, so. that makes sense. And that is very sick. And I, that just is sickening. It is very bad. <laughs> After the sexual assault, Lee ended up stealing some money. Um, and it ended up being like two $20 bills and some other like ones. And he began to wipe down the surfaces that he had touched throughout the house, and he fled. 
Um, I will say here that as he was wiping down these surfaces, he did forget to wipe down the light bulb that he unscrewed at the back door. Uh, while he was cleaning up his prints, Margie, Marjorie and Chandra managed to basically just get their crap together and be like, we got to get out. And they escaped through a bedroom window and they ran to a neighbor's house to get help. So they immediately called the cops and um, got them, you know, over to the house. At this point, Lee drove back to Fork Polk Base and along the way ditched the gun, um, a mask that he was wearing, a military style mask that he was wearing and a few other things that had been connected with the crime and threw them out the window. Meanwhile, right around the corner, and I mean right around the corner from the Blackston's house, was Lisa's mom's house. And uh, Lisa was actually living with her mom at the time, and she was angry, still angry, about a visit that she had received from Lee a few hours earlier. Lisa reported that Lee showed up to her mother's house around 8.30 p.m., so about an hour and a half before these this murder took place, murder and assault, and he was drunk. She said that he was just reeking of alcohol. And this would be something that Marjorie and Chandra both um, recall as well that he smelt like straight up alcohol. He proceeded to attack Lisa, choke her, and started ripping her clothes off of her. She fought him and was trying to get him off of her and he wouldn't stop until a car pulled into a driveway nearby and that's basically is what scared him off. Shortly after the attack at the Blackston residence, Police, a police broadcast went out giving um, the description that Marjorie and Chandra had given the police. And a friend of Lisa's heard it on a police scanner and um, called Lisa and, you know, said, hey, this happened. Like, could this be Tracy? And she took the description and she was like, you know what? This really could be. Because this description was like, exactly. Like they mentioned that he was wearing, like what he was wearing. He had the fact that he had his military mask on. That he had white sneakers with black stripes on it. That he reeked of alcohol. That he was wearing a um, wave cap on his head. Um, just too many specific details, and they were, like, less than a mile. Like, like less than half a mile away from each other. So, for Lisa, it was kind of a ding, ding, ding. This is, this is Tracy. This is, this was him. So, she immediately calls the cops and says, Look, I have a feeling that the person you're after is my ex-boyfriend. And tells them where she lives and that she thinks that he was involved. At this point, police detectives, um, you know, knowing who he is, reach out to the military police at the base and let them know that they intend to arrest Lee for in connection with this murder and assault. So they immediately put him on a type of surveillance. 
Well, under surveillance, they see him basically getting ready to leave the base in a hurry. I guess he thought that he could run and basically abandon um, his post. And as he was trying to leave in a hurry the next day following the murder and assault, the military police actually stop him as he's trying to leave. And a search of his car ends up turning up a gun matching the type of bullets at the crime scene and the missing money from the Blackston house. So they found two wads of money and one of them contained $20 bills and the, or the exact amount of money that was stolen from the house. So he was immediately taken into custody by the military police who contacted uh, the, I believe it was the state police. It may have been the city's police. Do not quote me on that. I don't remember. I should be better at research. But they took him into custody. And that's when he said that he did not want to talk and that he refused a lawyer. So, side note, here's a lesson for everyone out there listening. Always ask for your lawyer. True, correct, yes. It is your right to have one. It doesn't matter if you are guilty or not. And asking for one does not make you more or less, more or less guilty. Like, that's literally what they're there for. Ask for your lawyer. Like, all, my things are like, ask for your lawyer and never take a polygraph test. <laughs> like, just don't do those. Don't do either one. I'll always ask for a lawyer. Always. Always. I should, like, get that on a sticker. <laughs> always ask for your lawyer. <laughs> yes. Put or, it every, literally everywhere on your car. Everywhere. Yes. Ask for your lawyer. You need one. I promise and you. If, you. if you can't afford one, one will be appointed to you. Exactly. That's why we have the Miranda rights. That This is why I'm a criminal justice major. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. Now you know. You've heard it first from a criminal justice major. Ask for your lawyer. Um, yes. After several hours in custody, Lee would finally confess to police about what happened and where a murder weapon could be found. Once taken to the location, Lee was able to provide an area and police recovered the 25 caliber pistol. Now, I will say as well that... Okay, well, actually, I'll rewind. Most of my research for this case didn't really come from, like, news articles or anything. It actually came from the documents provided from his appeals because he was obviously convicted of this. And so, in these appeals, they go into great detail about what happened. So, most of my research for what happened came from these appeals. Now, in these appeals, it's argued that, one, his confession was coerced, and that, two, he did ask for a lawyer, but one was not given to him. So, basically, they, the defense argued that when the military police arrested him on base, they asked if he wanted a lawyer, and he said yes, and that the 
the chief, I'm going to call him basically the chief of police for the military police, referred that to the, I'm going to say it was the Natchitoches Police Department. And that detective, you know, was told that he wanted a lawyer. But when they read him his Miranda rights, when they arrested him, and they took him into custody, that he at that point refused to talk to a lawyer. The defense also says that while he was in custody, police were using an interrogation technique of constantly like coming in and out of the room and playing like that nice guy effect like hey we're just wanting to talk to you I know this is like a big you know misunderstanding we're just here to help you know you don't have to have your lawyer if you don't want one that kind of thing and so the defense claimed that that was wrong which it does feel kind of iffy but um Lee also, com- not committed, attempted to commit suicide again while he was in custody shortly after being arrested. They had left the room and he had attempted to slit his wrist. So, obviously he was not in the best mental state. Yeah. He was, he was tough. It, it was a tough, he's, he has gone through a moment. At the trial, Lee was eventually found guilty of aggravated rape and burglary, armed robbery. This is one I never knew was a charge. I've never heard of this, but I actually think it's a very interesting charge. He was charged with knowingly created risk of death or bodily harm to more than one person. Well, what? Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I guess like he like went into there knowing that he created the risk of death or bodily harm because he was acting like a crazy fool and it's more than one person. But I did not know that was something you could be charged with. See, me either. And I've taken, you know, my fair share Hence me, a criminal justice student. I've taken my fair share of, like, law courses, like, mm-hmm. learning about, like, the law and, like, what's the difference between, like, rape and, like, sexual assault, robbery, you know, mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff. And I don't think, like, we've ever talked about that, like, ever. Like, I couldn't help but wondering if this was a charge that they tacked on there so that... Like, if aggravated rape and burglary and on robbery didn't stick, at least they had something that they could charge him with. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last charge thing that he was charged, the last thing that he was charged with, yeah, I guess that's the right way to say that, was that the crime was committed in an especially heinous, atrocious, or cruel manner. I I agree. I think that was very very heinous crime in that he committed i agree i think it's especially disgusting yeah, um very to just sickening and who just walks into a house and kills yeah. a kid in front of their yeah. mom and sister and then rapes the mom and sister and it's yeah. gross it's very gross well, and, and you're 15 like you don't want to have to worry about that like you want to have to worry about what 15 year olds worry about which is you know like I don't know what 15-year-olds worry about, like, 
<laughs> well, like it's different when, when I was 15 from when you were 15. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, and what? Uh, Cannon's what? Cannon's 15. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you you know, whatever he worries about, like, video games. And he's like, well, he's like a boy, so. Yeah, what are boys games. and making <laughs> friends and yeah. girls and, yeah, like. Yeah, right, right. Like, does this girl like me back? Like, what am I going to do if she does, like. What, what do 15 year olds do like on a, on like a first date you know that yeah. kind of stuff like and especially adding the fact that he was a 15 year old cancer survivor yeah well and like that's one thing i know if i was in his situation i'd be like is my cancer like really gone like is it gonna yeah. come back like did the doctors miss something like i don't want to have to sit there and worry about like oh someone broke into my house and like shot me in my head and then like you know, sexually assaulted, you know, my mom and my sister robbed us, basically everything like that. Yeah. I mean, I I really feel for this family because I can't, I can't imagine it. It's really an especially heinous, atrocious and cruel crime. It's very bad. Um, so like I said, the jury did find him guilty on all charges and they would go on to recommend the death penalty for him at the time the death penalty at the time of this case the death penalty in louisiana was actually still the electric chair oh wow yeah so and this was in 1985 but it was still the electric chair yeah, right. Um, as of right now, he had a couple of, of appeals. Um, he's still um, in jail. As far as I could find, he's still on death row, but Ooh. he hasn't been executed, um, anything like that. He is just on death row. And as I always say, anytime we have a case that has something to do with the death penalty, Bethany and I really don't know where we feel, how we feel in the death penalty. So, Yeah, I... Mm, I, and like I said, taking my fair share of, you know, criminal justice classes. Like we've talked about the death penalty. Like when should it be used? When should it not be used? And every situation is going to be different. Everybody's going to have their own opinions. Like I feel like you know nobody can really say I'm in favor for it or you know I'm not in favor for it because it's it's hard. It's really hard to tell. It it really is, and it's like it's also at the same time it's like. How do you come up with what, like, why they should deserve the death penalty? And I was looking it up. From what I was reading, there are, like, three things that you have to kind of think about when determining if something's going to deserve the death penalty. And you have to, like, look at if it fits the punishment, as in, like, if someone's been sentenced to death for a similar crime if like it's 100% certain that they're they've done it and that there was no bias I believe in the case like there wasn't in like any kind of bias that made them sway them one way or the other towards the death penalty um from what I could tell that was a huge part of the death penalty like thought process Again, I don't really have an opinion one way or the other because, as I will be completely honest, I've not done enough research to say if I'm for or against it. But the only thing that kind of, like, made me kind of second guess it was when someone said, like, when I read the part that said that one of the qualifications for 
giving someone the death penalty is if a case that of, of similar caliber has also received the death penalty. And the reason I had a problem with that is because at, like, what point... Right. Yeah. Do you not consider... Could you not consider any case? Because, like, right. maybe his case isn't as bad as someone else's, but what about the case after him? Right, right, right. What if it's only a little bit less bad? Yeah, right. Like, the case before this, the guy could have just, you know... Killed the all three of them. Yeah, right. Where this guy, you know, he killed... Um the you know the son and then with the mother and daughter you know he you know basically yeah. scarred them because he raped them and then made him basically gave him gave them his scent basically yeah. for the rest of their lives but the guy after this could just you know and i'm not saying that you know rape or any form of like sexual assault is okay and it's you know whatever but um like, this, the guy, like, after him could have just, like, you know, raped a woman, and, you know, that's really not, you know, he raped someone that really, in my opinion, doesn't deserve the death penalty. Obviously, he deserves to be punished. Know, be punished, but death penalty in that case really doesn't suit the, it's all about, like, does the punishment suit the crime? Like, the seriousness yes. of the crime, that's basically, you know, what, 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 what happens. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, like I said, as far as I could tell, he's not, he's still on death row, and he just keeps kind of appealing his sentence. Now, in 2013, Marjorie did pass away. Um, I read her really sweet obituary that she had, that they had online for her. I'm not sure how she coped with the loss of her son for so long. I know she never got over it. I don't care who she is. She probably, she's never got over that. And the horrible things that her and her daughter endured. I mean, I can only hope that it made her and her daughter closer. I feel like it would be a thing that would make you get closer to your mom because you experienced that with her. And that's something that y'all could, grieve together over almost um i feel like she's hurt it's definitely the two of them are are the only two that that can relate to and i'm pretty sure when chandra lost her mom in 2013 that was really hard for her because she lost the only person that you know she could share that experience with holy right um I tried looking to see if I could find anything else about their lives, but as always, there's always so much more about the bad guy than there is the innocent people that they hurt. Uh, I couldn't really find anything else, but I really hope that telling their stories like we are, are is celebrating their lives and letting them not be forgotten because I think that's important because I like telling their stories. But anyway, that's pretty much all I have for today's episode. Um, it was kind of a short one, but I kind of do like them short and sweet. They're kind of my favorite that way. Um, so what'd you think, Ashley? Any questions? Um, I honestly really, you know, this case was kind of disturbing, but as somebody who 
is studying criminal justice and is wanting to investigate crimes and stuff like that, I found this really interesting. And maybe that makes me weird or strange, but... (laughs) No, not at all. I honestly, and I find any kind of, like, crime stuff interesting, like, no matter what it is, like, uh, but I thought this case was, uh, it was kind of disturbing, like, I'm sitting here trying to picture, like, everything, like, as you're talking, as it's happening, and it's a little disturbing, um, and I'm still trying to think of, you know, maybe what, what might have, let me, let me rephrase, (laughs) (laughs) what might his motive been on why he you know did the things that he did was it you know did something happen like in his past like his childhood like you know what and that like I think that's the the question I ask all the time is you know and that's something that you know police ask investigators ask like what is their motive like and they investigate their childhood like that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff so I wish there was more info on like this case yeah so this would be really nice uh, to like read about, especially, you know, me being the person that I am. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I thought this case was, you know, kind of, like I said, a little, little disturbing, but, um, you know, I always hope- end up picking the like disturbing ones that aren't <laughs> like supposed to be that disturbing, but end up being very disturbing. <laughs> Yeah, I but, mean, at, at least, you know, the uh, family kind of got a little bit of justice for, you know, what he did, you know, mm-hmm. with the killing of Ron and then, uh, you know, the abuse and, uh, you know, trauma that he basically caused, mm-hmm. you know, the mother and daughter. Um, so I was glad that they got a little bit of justice for, you know, the, you know, trauma that he put everybody through and it sucks that you know the uh that ron died uh and you know the mother the mother later on but um you know they got justice justice. yeah Yeah. i think that and i think that's the that's the thing to look at is you know uh you know they got justice especially like like i said literally for all the trauma Mm -hmm. they put through like i can't imagine the trauma that you know the daughter went through and everything oh me Um, either but now she's lost not only her brother, but she's lost her mom yeah. too. Like uh, it's yeah. sad. I can tell you, they never really found out the exact motive of it. He says that it was unplanned. Um, police hmm. and the prosecutors say differently. They believe yeah. that he may have wanted to do this to Lisa, but got scared off um, because yeah. he did have several like over a hundred bullets in his car oh again god yeah. jesus okay i hear i can hear you again god <laughs> it, I don't, made that little, it made that little noise again okay i'm gonna start over i'm gonna start over that. okay so i can tell you um a little bit about his motive they don't really know exactly what his full motive was but they do think that he had intended to do all everything basically that happened in this house to Lisa, but he had been scared off because one, it was by her house, and two, right. it he had like well over a hundred bullets on him, and 
for this particular weapon when he went to uh, when he shot Ron, they think that he was planning to have like some sort of shootout with the police, mm-hmm. but basically got scared off and got out of there too quick. Right. He did later say in some um, psychological evaluations and stuff that he was like one of the main reasons for not necessarily for this, but, like, that kind of one of his main triggers for this mental health breakdown, basically, that he was having was the fact that he was losing his hair. Yeah, I don't know how you said before that it was kind of random. I don't know if I'd necessarily believe that. Like, I feel like with every criminal out there, you know, they all have at least some Mm -hmm. sort of motive, whether it's, you know, childhood trauma or if it's, like, mental health or you know they just you know just go on a crime spurge and just go crazy like committing crimes um but yeah it makes me wonder you know exactly how and it just feels weird to me that of all freaking things really yeah really your hair you're losing your hair that's 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 a little (laughs) i mean i guess i could get it because if you were 24 and almost completely bald that's kind of sad. Yeah, but... But to kill someone? If, yeah. I don't know if my hair falling out would necessarily, like, make me want to kill someone and then, like, go, you know, sexually uh, assault, like, the a daughter and a mother and then kill their son and brother. Like, I don't... That necessarily... That seems like a really harsh overreaction. Yeah. Like, I don't need... Like, I don't even know. Like, that just doesn't... <laughs> seem that's just not a good motive if you will like for somebody to go kill and shoot a 15 year old who is a cancer survivor in their face like and then to sit there while their son and brother are dying in the next room to sit there and like sexually assault uh his mother and his sister and then just like spray perfume so that everywhere that they go they smell you like that's just it just seems so premeditated it seems so severe it seems heinous like the charge says like it's not something that like like i would never say that someone was just raped like yeah it's not like that it's way more serious than that but this was bad this was really bad and i at very at the very least he definitely deserves his life in prison Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I totally agree. It, that's I just totally plain agree. and simple. But Yeah. Um, I'm assuming he is uh, in, like, the Louisiana, like... Correctional. Yeah, I think. I couldn't find out where he's at. I'm assuming since he's on death row, he's I probably mean, yeah. in Angola, which yeah. is, like, one of the oh big... Yes. Huge yeah, prisons. yeah. I had to do a, a paper on... In the place of justice, and the guy, uh, uh, he served at the um, Angola, you know, correctional prison. I can't remember what it was called, but yeah. I know it was the Angola, you know. Yeah, it's um, pretty crazy. Angola is yeah. intense. Well, well, this guy, the guy that I had to read the book about, he was on death row too. Uh, so that's actually pretty cool to not. I mean, it's not cool that you know. Yes, I know <laughs> what you cri- mean. They're criminals. But it's kind of cool that I read a book and then it actually happened to this guy. And yeah. then the guy that we're talking about, actually, he's in the same place as the guy that I read about. Yeah. But 
Angola is actually a pretty interesting prison, and you can, like, mm-hmm. go every... I don't know if they did it. I doubt they did it because of COVID. But every year they have a rodeo, and Ooh. the people that ride in the rodeo are the prisoners. Oh, my gosh. Yes. What? Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, that's, that's, that's crazy. It's so weird, but it's, like, that's, a huge yeah. thing because people go to the <laughs> Angola rodeo. That's so funny. Yeah. But... Well, that is all I got for the episode. Thank you for being on this episode with me. I'm glad I could join, even though we experienced a couple uh, technical difficulties. We it's spent okay. like 15, 15 minutes trying to figure out why Crystal couldn't hear me. Come to find out she didn't have her headphones on. Okay, you uh, do not need to tell everybody <laughs> that I am a complete idiot, basically. Uh, oh no, God. I really did. I'm just like, I can't hear her. And I like had Tyler like FaceTime her so I could figure out what's going on. And I'm like, I don't understand why I cannot hear her. And and, and I'm sitting on the other side screaming. I have my AirPod up to my mouth, literally <laughs> screaming into my AirPod. And I'm like, Crystal, can you hear me? And then I casually just go, wait, I think I didn't turn on my my headphones. And then that was <laughs> the fix to the problem. It's so bad. So horrible. But anyway. But we got it. Back- that we had a couple technical difficulties. I'm glad I could join. It was an honor to be on the Bayou Chronicles podcast. Finally, I was so excited. Crystal was like, you know, maybe you can join the podcast. And I was like, heck yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll special guest star. And then, of course, Tyler had to make some, oh, well, my podcast that I have has more views. And I was oh, like, okay, first of, all, <laughs> first of all, my podcast didn't even come out yet. And second of all, uh, mine's gonna have more views, so uh, okay. Well, I think you good. have more friends than him anyway. <laughs> so if you, all you have to do is just tell your friends when this comes out on Sunday, so in like a couple of days, yes. just say, yes. "Hey, my sister in law's podcast come out, came out, and I need you to go download that. it." So <laughs> just tell Literally, them to make hit download. the hit the download so that you get more downloads on day one than Tyler does, because yeah. that's yeah. that's what it is. That's- Yeah, that's the brother-sister French, you know, relationship, you know, we're always at competition, and of course Tyler is, you know, Tyler competitive. competitive. If you know know Tyler, you know he's very competitive, and if you know me, I also can get very competitive, especially when it's against him. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, like, it's on. I I gotta step him up, Yeah. yeah. So if you're one of Ashley's friends and you're listening and you made it this far, thanks. You're Thanks. helping her win. You're, yeah, you're <sighs> true friends if you made it this far and you are on my friends list. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, All I right. hope everyone has a good night and we'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Alrighty, bye. Thanks, guys. <laughs>